when you make investments in the stock market, you have to ask, what are you investing in? Because the old way used to be that you invest a hundred rupees for maximization of profit under under the country's laws. But now with ESG coming in, the the share price is based on not only the the profit that they make, but also environmental uh, sustenance, social justice, and governance. So you need to say that I'm against ESG. I just want a profit. I do not want any of this other stuff. Today we had Silicon Valley Bank in California that went under. And guess what? They had a fantastic ESG score. And as of three days ago, their female corporate leaders were talking about uh, female uh, empowerment in the bank. So the, they were virtue signaling. They went on a ski trip and said, here are the female bankers. And all that is fine. I'm a woman and I support women in the workplace and all of that. But you cannot lose the mission. Can you imagine if you feminize the military, what happens? Right? I wouldn't want to be in a country that, you know, that is feminizing military just because they're virtue signaling that they're inclusive by bringing women. I want the best person guarding the country. So the point is that civilizations and nation states, because we are not perfect in terms of our ego, the human ego looks for collective advantage. If I want to get ahead, I say, okay, why don't I get together with other people of my type and we compete against those other fellows who are different. So this, the idea of difference of civilizations turns into competition, turns into hostility, war, conflict is an old thing. Caste as a factor in determining success should be evaluated against English as a factor in determining success. I think Angresia gets you the job, gets you ahead in matrimonial, it gets you socially ahead, it gets you ahead in your profile. So why aren't we saying that there is an Angresia caste? That Angresia caste is, should, there should be a quota there should be a job quota for the people who are coming from non-English speaking background. There should be some quota. In all these corporate sector. Non-Angresiath. Because the Angresiath is a colonial Angresiath. That is nothing to do with what caste was. It is not Brahmins. The, it is not Brahmin privilege of Sanskrit, which is what the allegation is. Nobody gets a job in Mahindra because he knows Sanskrit. Thank you very much Rajivji and Vijayji for enlightening us on these uh, aspects of hidden snakes, all these hidden snakes. Uh, thank you very much. I would like to know from you from a common person's point of view that how to identify these hidden snakes, right? You are talking about the hidden snakes, are, they, are, uh, they are breached the corporate sector, they have breached the education sector. Everybody here, almost 90% of people here, they are working in the corporate sector. If I want to know who is a hidden snake in my office? How do I identify it first? The second thing you are talking about Mumbai, Delhi and Bangalore. In Mumbai, we are sitting in Thane, just three kilometers from here. There was a person arrested in a plot to kill the prime minister. In India, we call them as urban naxalites. Everybody knows about this term, urban naxalites. 
So how this urban Naxalites has to be contained? What are the remedies for that? And how do we identify them? What are the signs for them? So what you look for is you should go to your corporate HR department and ask for what is your policy on DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion. Send it to me or Vijaya, we'll give you an analysis of it. So that is, the, that is one of the main windows through which they are bringing in their ideology because they're certifying these people. And the, it sounds very nice, diversity. But you know, who is there? Who are they to teach at diversity? India is the most diverse society in the history of the world. We have more diversity of languages and different ways of praying and ethnicities and uh, in all kind of uh, way, you know, every in every respect, India is the most diverse country there is. So why, how are they going to come and teach us diversity into the corporate sector? And then when we talk about equity, you know, we, we, in terms of equal opportunity, equality, we have that. We are offering that. And in terms of inclusion, which means you include people, our society has that. Now, I know we have, we have social problems. I know we have discrimination. I know we have caste oppression and all kind of things. But so does everybody else. It's not like they've reached a perfect society and they can teach us and export to us. We have our solutions. They have their solutions. We have our problems and we've also tried to solve them and we are making progress. So, you know, these are things that are domestic. Social justice is domestic. It's not the job of somebody else to interfere and give us a rating on the index. If your rating is low on DEI, you will not get investments. You will not get equity investments, debt investments in, in the social markets, in, in, the, in the financial markets. So, we are being sucked into a whole web where somebody else will have the danda with an index and saying, Aap yase kariye, yase kariye. otherwise your rating will go down and your share price will go down. This is a serious problem that we are facing. Can I just add one more thing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you make investments in the stock market, you have to ask, what are you investing in? Because the old way used to be that you invest a hundred rupees for maximization of profit under, under the country's laws. But now with ESG coming in, the, the uh, share price is based on not only the, the profit that they make, but also environmental uh, sustenance, social justice, and governance. So you need to say that I'm against ESG. I just want a profit. I do not want any of this other stuff. Today, we had Silicon Valley Bank in California that went under. And guess what? They had a fantastic ESG score. And as of three days ago, their female uh, corporate leaders were talking about uh, female uh, empowerment in the bank. So the, they were virtue signaling. They went on a ski trip and said, here are the female bankers. And all that is fine. I'm a woman and I support women in the workplace and all of that. But you cannot lose the mission. Can you imagine if you feminize the military, what happens? Right? I wouldn't want to be in a country that, you know, that is feminizing military just because they're virtue signaling that they're inclusive by bringing women. I want the best person guarding the country. So we have to ask these tough questions in, in, the, in, you know, in the money that we invest. So if there is a DI, an ESG component, you should tell, call your fund manager and say, I want, I want a fund without ESG ratings. Can I get a fund like that? So these are important things to ask. So when you see ESG, DEI, please question. Ma'am, one more question related to the same point. 
you are saying that the entire world is conspiring against india to break india no not the entire we didn't say mostly that. mostly i would say mostly why the people outside india want to break india which is most populated which is a underdeveloped country which is a poor country why they want to break india what are their interests so firstly it is not targeting only india you know every civilization every civilization is competing against each other the romans were competing against the greeks the roman greek rivalry is very old the greek persian empires were in conflict the french more recent times the french and the british empires were in conflict they were having wars today america and china having wars us and russia having wars within the eu there's tension between britain and europe so you could argue why is this happening so the point is that civilizations and nation states because we are not perfect in terms of our ego the human ego looks for collective advantage if i want to get ahead i say okay why don't i get together with other people of my type and we compete against those other fellows who are different so this the idea of difference of civilizations turns into competition turns into hostility war conflict is an old thing now this is just a new game it's just a new game that you infiltrate them with ideologies you take their people young people educate them on your point of view send them back and inside they do an inside job loyal to you not loyal to their own country so the point is india is able to india is more easy to infiltrate and penetrate than other countries they in, in russia they kick them out in china they wouldn't be allowed these kind of things japan had a wokeism that they got rid of israel they tried to get in and israel kicked them out singapore had similar in, intervention france had similar intervention and they kicked them out so strong countries where the government is awake and the industry is very loyal to the country they don't allow but in our country and the name of democracy and freedom and chalta hai and sab kuch chalega kuch bhi kar sakte hain in the name of that we have a lack of strategic thinking as a nation strategic thinking and what is mind country's interest and a lot of selfishness i mean you know when you look at chinese students in america and compare them with indian students in america i did a comparison so chinese students first of all come for stem education science technology engineering and math they don't come to study chinese history they're not interested in studying the uyghur problem they're not going to harvard to study the china's uyghur problem or or tibetan problem or what is the problem with lack of democracy or politics they're not interested in going to america and asking them about china they're not they just want to pick up technology and bring it back indians some of them go for stem that's fantastic but a lot of them go to study indian history to study indian political system to study indian uh, you know uh, culture why they need to go there which is a very big difference between india and china so hamare logo mein ye ye kamzori hai we are vulnerable because indians are available india india is for sale because indians are for sale indians are for sale and lot of indians have been sold out and therefore it is a very easy target for them because it's a huge country and so easy to come and buy out people and nobody talking nobody controlling it i even asked some very senior responsible people that is shouldn't there be some regulation or some guideline at least that if an indian industrialist want to invest in setting up a school or a chair in his father's name or in his family name in a foreign country there should be some guidelines now if mahindra wanted to set up a mahindra center to study automobile industry i would say that's great he will learn some technology 
and he has the capability to, uh, to monitor and evaluate how they are doing. And if Lakshmi Mittal wanted to fund metallurgy because he is a large steel maker, he would, it would be good for him. But what does Mahindra know about postmodernism or some uh, social, uh, social science? He knows nothing about it. So why would he set it up in a field which has nothing to do with his industry, which has nothing to do with his competence and what he knows about? Why would he do that? It's kind of, kind of silly. So we have these kind of uh, cleavages and internal, uh, internal divisiveness, selfishness, you might say selfishness. So, you know, we are vulnerable. It's not like they're targeting us. If India were together, if the Indian government and the Indian industry and Indian techno technocrats and so on got together and made a strategy, this is our grand narrative. We protect our grand narrative. No, and anything we fund has to respect our grand narrative, our values. Otherwise, we are not going to fund them. Yeah, and uh, we are going to. And if they are violating, we will actually we will actually come together against them rather than join them. If Indians were to get together, it, the, the all these countries would all of these forces would fall apart. I'm telling you that. If tomorrow two or three Indian in, industrialists in Mumbai and the government got together. We propose this, but it's not happening. If they were to get together and have a, have a plan that says, okay, the three, three or four industrialists will pick up the phone and call the person at Harvard, whom they've given 50 million or whatever they've been giving money, and tell him, stop doing this. Stop doing this about my country, my culture, my faith, because I don't like it. It doesn't fit my values, and you can't use my money. Believe me, things will change. But it, are we too selfish to do that? That's the question. You pointed out that there is some kind of rot in our system. You named Niti Aayog, you named foreign universities are allowed in India to operationalize. But isn't it an irony that when there is a hyper-nationalist government in the center, all these things are happening. Earlier it was not. The foreign universities are allowed by the present dispensation in the center. How do you look at it? Do we need to adapt the China model in that context? Well, you know, the thing is, China, I mean, the thing is, we should adopt model in our selfish interest, our self-interest, like every country is doing. So, if you want education standards to increase, instead of bringing, you know, by bringing foreign companies, foreign uh, universities, what will, and they have no rules, like he said, the government MOU with foreign universities says, it, the University Grants Commission, that they can teach any subject, which means all the negative things that I've been fighting for 30 years, they will start teaching here. It will get worse. They can hire any professors, which means all these Audrey Truske and Wendy Doniger and all these people I'm fighting, they will be, they, those kind of people will be teaching here. And they can teach and uh, give them any salaries and offer and have any tuition, which means that the cream of the Indian uh, faculty will be sucked in by these people. The cream, the, the best brains in Indian faculty will be given double, triple salary and brought there. And the best students who are coming from rich families and they can pay a lot of money will be taken there. So the elite, the next generation of Indian elite will be trained, made in India by American universities. So this is so ridiculous. Instead of saying we are Vishwa Guru, we are becoming Vishwa Chela. We are becoming Vishwa Chela. We will give you the adhikar to come here and teach us about ourselves. What a rotten thing to do. I mean, how could you say you are hyper-nationalist when the education policy and the education system is now going more and more Americanized, less and less towards our own roots and towards our own, uh, our own heritage?
You cannot just say, okay, you know, let them just uh, be uh, impoverished forever. But there are ways to do it. I think you have to, if you, if you do a study of IITians who came under quota but had less marks and artificially they came in, they have not done well. Many of them drop out. So the problem is that the school has not prepared them. If the school has not prepared them, then bringing, making them boost, giving them a boost in college is not correct. You have to start at kindergarten. You have to start at the lowest level of education and bring those children from any background, give them extra help. If their families are poor or parents are not educated and so on, you give them extra help right from kindergarten. So basic primary education in India in these uh, uh, challenged communities is very poor. Uh, if the basic education institutions for such people is very shallow and very bad, then suddenly after 12, 10, 12 years college, uh, school, you suddenly say, okay, artificially I'll send you to IIT. That's stupid. I mean, that's not going to solve the problem. So we are not solving the problem at the root, which means when they're children at young age, they need help at that age. Also, uh, like to add one more point. So we give reservation when they enter college and that's supposed to make things great. Yeah, even, and it doesn't happen. So you give reservation again at the job level, and that's okay, supposed to somehow make the playing field equal, but even that's not happening. So you give promotions. So this goes on. So anyone with a little bit of sense will see that reservations are actually not working. And some of these suicides that we see is happening because we are putting young children in a situation which is like a pressure cooker and they're totally unprepared. And that's not fair to them, more than reservation. And my heart goes out to young kids who don't have the family support or the background and enter such systems and are not able to cope. And they are young. After all, they are 18, 19, 20. They are young. They do not have the capability to cope in such a system. So I think we have failed them. And instead of looking at just reservation and, and appeasement, we should look at what is the fundamental problem that we have. And also, we should also make them understand that engineering and medicine are not the only fields available. So these are sort of some ground level things that we should do, you know, if we really want to uplift our poor. So I would, add, I would add one more thing. Caste as a factor in determining success should be evaluated against English as a factor in determining success. I think Angraziath gets you the job, gets you ahead in matrimonial, it gets you socially ahead, it gets you ahead in your profile. So why aren't we saying that there is an Angraziath caste? That Angraziath caste is, should, there should be a quota there should be a job quota for the people who are coming from non-English speaking background. There should be some quota. Unko three percent jobs in all these corporate sector. Non-Angraziath. 
because the angraziyat is a colonial angraziyat that is nothing to do with what caste was it is not brahmins the it is not brahmin privilege of sanskrit which is what the allegation is nobody gets a job in mahindra because he knows sanskrit nobody gets a job but everybody gets a job based on how much english they know so i think this is that's a, if you really want to profile what characteristics are, are giving privilege that are multi generational i think angrazia has to be one of them our uh, two members of the audience uh, they have same question so mr virendra chavan and sh subramaniam they are saying that yes there are snakes in ganga but these snakes are getting energy from a big anaconda they have named soros and amartya sen to be specific and they are asking how to deal with them how we soros is such a rich person how a poor country like india can deal with yeah them? so i disagree with their assessment i think that's why we wrote this book this assessment is 10 years old amartya sen has got no uh cloud he's an old guy and he's fine soros is very much easy in his 80s we pointed out the new new giants the new alligators crocodiles in the you know in the ganga not just uh, you know not just snakes and we have named them so the soros soros ke piche log lage hue hain theek hai soros is a bad guy nobody going after omidyar i'm surprised I'm surprised Omidyar has got more than 200 startup ventures in India, tech ventures, where he invested over 500 million dollars. He's very proud of it. Just go to Omidyar Network, and go to LinkedIn or something. Go to Omidyar Network. Very beautiful. They have a meeting. They're talking about social justice, empowerment, responsible government, how to be a responsible future. You know all these wonderful sounding ways of infiltrating my young minds and teaching them things. that are not necessarily from our cultural heritage this is very serious uh, i have one more point there uh i think one is the institutions here that these snakes create but also we should look at the united nations the who uh, the unesco organization wef and these are organizations and behind them are people like the global elites right there's the gates foundation and all these people and they use the system of the united nations to enter india and and undermine india and bring in these ideas of critical race theory and and support ngos um like the world bank uh, rajiv ji was saying about caste sensitivity training world bank wants to do caste sensitivity training for its employees so these are organizations that we should actually scrutinize and actually and and sever ties with these organizations because they are irrelevant for today for a rising india we do not need such close ties and listen to uh, uh, you know these big international organizations in fact i think uh, just last week there there's a there's they are contemplating a treaty with who where all countries will give up all their sovereign rights and will bow to the who for a future pandemic so whatever the who says they're going to implicitly listen so these are big players and behind them are people like the gates foundation so when you see the who or the un you have to look and see who's funding them uh, there is a hindu phobia we can see in the academic field all over the world like you which you have rightly exposed uh, in the americans american writings specifically if i name Wendy Dinger, 
you had exposed her very well but why do you think there is a so much hindu phobia in the academic field why they are against hindus forget about india they are targeting hindus only what are the reasons behind it and how to counter that so we just came out um two three weeks ago with a book called 10 heads of ravan and uh, we are saying that ravan got reincarnated as an intellectual and he's got 10 heads 10 personalities and uh, i'll read out uh, who are some of these personalities There's a separate chapter on each one of them written by our young scholars we are mentoring new young intellectual kshatriyas so the 10 heads are romila thapar sheldon pollock michael witzel devdutt patrayak irfan habib shashi tharoor audrey truske ramachandra guha kancha ilaya wendy doniga so these are 10 hindu phobic scholars and uh, uh, each one of them is featured the rules are we are not going to insult them personally no personal attack no defamation only talking about their work only looking at each each of our writers was told you have to read what these people have written whoever you are targeting you have to read what they have written hundreds of pages thousands of pages all kinds of things and mark what you think is incorrect or biased and then you have to reference reference it very exactly what they where they written quote it exactly and then give your uttar purva paksha uttar paksha this is done in that way no body is allowed to take a personal shot so for example you can't say that so and so killed murdered his wife something like that you can't say that you you you, you cannot uh, take something you cannot take a personal shot you have to talk only about their work and this is this is the kind of intellectual kshatriya we are creating i also want to add a, one small note to that i think that's an excellent book to give youngsters who read people like ramachandra guha and devdutt patnaik uh, as and teach them uh, how to give a rejoinder or what is another point of view or the indic point of view uh, and our scholars have done a great job in simplifying their language and sticking to the point and giving a rejoinder since you are talking about the youngsters i would like to take a question from a young uh, member of the audience mr chinmay pathak if he is there uh, he is talking about the influence of social media on the youngsters as you rightly said the youngsters are reading ramchandra guha very much but how the social media is going to contain uh, going to change their views and how to contain that how to contain the poison so you see social media is controlled by artificial intelligence algorithms it is not human being sitting there it is algorithms that are rating each person his profile and whether he is a good person for society according to them or bad person how much right he should have whether to boost his posts or shadow ban him restrict him or to completely deplatform him that entire decision is being made by people sitting far away not people who have accountability to our country or our citizens they are sitting far away have no accountability and there is no recourse to go there and catch them and say you are biased because that's how it is so we've allowed while there are laws against foreign controlled media but there are no none against social media and this is very strange very strange social media is far worse far more powerful so this algorithm now the question is who trains the algorithm who trains the algorithm who trains gpt who trains all these kind of different algorithms these algorithms are being trained using data sets that are not very friendly to us so for instance if you 
uh, in the US, if you put up a post on uh, and say swastika, uh, it will be flagged by, uh, by YouTube that this is against, uh, you know, this is some kind of a violation of rights and all that. Because they are assuming that swastika is a Nazi symbol. But swastika, many of you might not know, is not a Nazi symbol. The Nazi symbol, which is that cross, you know, all that funny thing, that strange thing that you've seen, that, that cross is called Hakenkraus. Hakenkraus, which means hooked, hooked cross, a cross with a hook. That is the German language name for the, the Nazi symbol. It is not swastika. Only when they translated the German works, Nazi works into English, the British called it swastika because they wanted to make Indians look like you are Nazis. This is a British mischief. So, our swastika has nothing to do with the Nazis. We should resist when people say, oh, you can't use swastika because it is Nazi. But the point is these algorithms have been trained on that bias and the algorithms enforce that bias. So, social media being driven by algorithms and these algorithms are driven by training, machine learning training, which is biased. These are inherently biased. So, we are, are, we are getting our kids brainwashed, colonized, short attention span, not able to think for themselves, going for what, what is everybody's thinking. I'll also think because it is popular. That kind of a thing. This is very dangerous for the future mental health of our population. Can I say one more thing? Uh, recent, I think a few years ago, I think Mark uh, Zuckerberg was asked about uh, giving his kids electronics and social media. And you will find that many like Zuckerberg, many Silicon Valley tycoons do not give electronics to their children. Yeah, even video games, they don't give children. So that's one thing we can all learn from uh, the Silicon Valley tycoons who are heads of these social media companies because they know how much damage it does to youngsters. The second thing is that I think as adults with children, I think we should stay away from social media as an example. For example, I'm not on social media because it's purely to make a statement to my children that I don't use social media, therefore I have the adhikar to tell you not to use social media. I would say that uh, uh, India should develop its own platforms. Rather than geo licensing, uh, you know, Google and Facebook and WhatsApp and making them more popular and giving them more market share and bringing in, helping them infiltrate deep into the Indian economy and India, Indian society, these very rich people should have funded their own platform for India and, and made it, uh, made it uh, more attractive, maybe with Indian languages, maybe with more Indian cultural content. They should have created it. Like China has created its own internet. China has its own equivalent of Amazon, its own equivalent of uh, Google, its own equivalent of uh, Twitter and Facebook. They don't allow these American th things because they realize it's a national security threat. China is very clear. They've done this for 10 years. They're not stupid, but we have not done it. And now we are saying it, we can't do it. It's too late. These people are so powerful. In fact, China has gone ahead and released TikTok to the world. And TikTok in the Chinese version is a very different TikTok. It's about uh, STEM education and, and learning music, classical music and things like that. Whereas the American version or the Western version or the version for the world has all these uh, woke ideas and woke videos 
to to ensure that you know western youth get uh, totally spoiled so this is also another strategy of china which is on the offense it's a kind of cyber warfare uh, psychological warfare through social media and whoever controls social media uh, can can brainwash your people can create a battle between one jati and another jati one community and another community swing your votes swing your preference on what religion you will follow things of that kind you know and so control of artificial intelligence and control of this uh, this new internet media uh, is the future for recolonizing the world recolonizing the world and we are a very vulnerable country um, so it's about the content i think because india has a indian platform like ku which was supposed to replace twitter it didn't happen but like 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 in uh, move to the next question someone has asked dr sunil deshpande uh, wants to know about the caste system he has quoted dr baba saheb ambedkar and i quote in the absence of caste system the history and geography of this country would have been different he wants to know what are your views on that yeah it is absolutely true in the in the absence of caste system india would have been a better place but then he also explains that caste was not what varna and jati were he also explains that so if caste had not happened and we had varna jati in the original sense india would have been so socially diverse with many communities competing but no permanent fixture that he is upper he is lower people were people were, were people who are today considered low caste were dynasties there was a shudra dynasty so you see uh, the convert this is a book here called varna jati caste that uh, we just came out with and let me show you this one varna jati caste that just came out in the last 3 weeks that's what this is about the history of varna how in the vedic era how it becomes jati and then how relatively recently it becomes caste and why that caste has got problems it is not an indian system it is a system brought by lord risley he did this census in which he made the list of all the jatis and called them castes and um, forced them into a hierarchy and he writes that many of the caste leaders do not think that they are low they think their caste should be higher he argues that he says that people don't want to obey me we are forcing them so one last question because we are running out of time but i club to these two questions which is uh, which i think are very important and the audience should get answer from that it's about infinity foundation now you are providing funds for setting up a chair a study center in name of mahatma gandhi but mahatma gandhi was a staunch supporter of so we don't have a chair for mahatma gandhi you are supporting a the supporting the funds no releasing the funds for setting up the uh, study no. center in nepal no. no we have no we have no program supporting mahatma gandhi understand yeah. the other question many people many members of the audience would like to know uh, maybe maybe you are referring to something uh, 15 18 20 years ago there was one george mason university yeah. in usa and he was starting a journal of non violence or something like that some one, one of my friends there i think his name was mittal if i'm not remember forget i don't even know if he's there and for a year he asked us to help him and we gave a small donation we give to hundreds of people we just gave him that donation it's not like we are funding any mahatma gandhi chair or any of that i call him mohandas gandhi i don't call him mahatma gandhi for a reason okay. uh, no many no many, disrespect many... no disrespect i will tell you Mohandas Gandhi was a great man in many ways but he was also misinformed and misguided in many ways
I think that the last question many members of the audience uh, are asking what they need to do if they want to work with uh, your foundation. So ours is not a grassroots, uh, you know, we, we don't have shakha, we don't have a grassroots movement. We are a think tank and we're looking for people with very high quality caliber of writing skills. One is very high caliber writing skills. If you've written something serious, published it and you want to work with us. But we're also looking for filmmakers. This is something important in Bombay. We are looking to, wanting to turn some of these books into movies. I want to make a movie called Harvard Files. Harvard Files. And so, I want you guys in Mumbai to help me. You, I, we'll give you the knowledge. All information we'll give you. But I want, I want a script writer. Get me a script writer. We'll write a script, produce, put it together. Then we'll, we'll look for various resources and whatever else is needed to turn it into series. We could make series. So that's one way you could help us. Another way you could help us is you raise, help us raise some funding because we, we, look, we would like to hire more people, more research people, have bigger staff, more uh, books coming out. So we need funding. Then we need people to translate. So we have a team that does Hindi. We would love to have a team for Marathi. But don't just say, I would like to do it. The point is, have you done it before? Do you have experience? Do you have the, are you willing to do it? Put in the money it takes to spend one or two years. Because it's not an easy thing to translate a book. A lot of people have the emotion. We are not looking for emotion. Are you competent? And do you have the resources to do the job? That is important. So if people are like that, we would love to talk to them. Thank you very much, Rajivji, Vijayji. Thanks a lot. Thank you for how to for enlightening us how to recognize those snakes. And now it's a challenge, of course, to smash them, to contain their poison and the venom. Thanks thank you. Thank, thank you, so you for a very Both nice badiha. session. Yeah. Both badiha. And we will be sitting and we will be signing books. Anyone who buys those books will be sit here and sign the books. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you.